Welcome to Max Volume, where we deliver loud takes to soothing decibels. I am your host, Maxwell Lewis Sanders, and this is episode 95. For those new listeners out there, Max Volume is a podcast that worships at the altar of pop culture, a place where the silly and inane are of the utmost importance. It's a pod where we discuss heavy topics like William Briffley's chest hair, Dolph Lundgren's pecs, and Jeff Goldblum's silky, nervous voice. No quote too minor, no side plot too small. This is a pod for the TV geeks and movie freaks. So welcome all weary travelers. Your boredom ends here. No Seinfeld level observations today. Andrew Stefan, welcome to the Cage Match Mondays. We are back. You took it. Nice. Cage Match Mondays. Yeah, that was your that was your doing, I believe. Yeah, I, you like it? It's good, right? Come on. I do. I thought a nickel of cage would be fun too. Okay. We, we or, can still drop it. Yeah, or it, we could just name it Bees. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's funny? I thought we were original, and I searched on Spotify for Nick Cage podcasts. Oh, no. There's 48 of them. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I didn't realize. I thought there'd be five to ten. You know, we'd be in some company, but it is a thing, and that we are a part of it, I guess. So at least we know that we're not going to get sued by Nicolas Cage now. I don't know. The next time he goes broke. You know, <laughs> so I saw his movie uh, Jiu-Jitsu came out and okay. it, it, it has a 3.2 rating on IMDb. <laughs> That's decent. Is it? Is that decent for, <laughs> for modern postmodern Nick Cage? Well, that's why we love him. I mean, it, that movie looks like Predator meets some kind of alien movie, which is I mean, well, not Predator. Meets that sounds alien. awesome. Though, no, right? Predator meets Bloodsport. Yeah. And he also meets Mortal Kombat. He looks kind of like Raiden. So there's nothing wrong with that. No. So <laughs> I'll watch. It, I'll get back to you. But, you know, we love Nicolas Cage. Why, why do we love him? Because he's one of one. There's no one. Else. Is there anyone else even remotely like him? Not even I, I, I keep on thinking about it like Keanu Reeves, Tom Cruise type people. But no, no one's even close. There's not like a Diet Coke version. Who's just the weirdo that goes for it? If Val Kilmer had like a more long Ooh, career. Yeah. Yeah. Because he got weird in like the early to mid 90s with the Dr. Monroe stuff. And then he just kind of faded out of out of sight. So sad panda. But. Anyway, so we're here for Nick Cage, and we do it all. So we've done action, we've done drama, and now it's time to do, what would you call this, romance? Would you this call definitely this? Rom, definitely comedy, rom-com. It's not rom-com. I say classic romance. This feels like it was out of the 40s or 50s. This paved the way for rom-com. Oh, okay. So before, let's not bury the lead. All it right. is 1987's Moonstruck. Yes. And I, w- I did not have positive feelings going into this movie, but- Coming out, I was crying. I was emotional. I was inspired. This is classic movie making at its best. It's just, it hit me right in the, like, right directly in the center of my heart. Yeah, I remember bits and pieces of this movie. Maybe my wife watching it or catching on. Oh, you've seen it before? Not, not, not the entire way through. Just catching a scene here or there. But yeah, this, again, this had the feels. This was good. Do you cry? Close. Close? Close. Okay. Close. But yeah, it just feels, this feels like old time movie making. And it's Cher, it's Danny Aiello, it's Nick Cage, Olympia not Dukakis. Only, not, not only that, it's, it's New York, Little Italy, it's, it's everything. Yeah, it's Brooklyn too. You know, it's not like Manhattan, Richie Rich. Like I'm watching The Undoing right now. Have you seen that? I haven't, no. It's on HBO. It's a crime drama, millionaire, billionaire, people, that possible Hugh murder. Grant, and Grant, right? What? Hugh Grant, Nicole Kidman. Yeah, it's fantastic. But it's like rich people porn. This yeah. is like real new yorkers you know they live together it's brooklyn before it got gentrified it's and i love how they portray brooklyn I and mean, brooklyn and new york that's this magical little place where like there's artisanal shops on every corner they all know each other's name it feels very lived in it feels very real it feels warm so that's how i still picture brooklyn 
Really? That is not how Brooklyn is now. There I'm, is, I'm definitely a tourist when I go to New York. Yeah, there's a social influencer named Aspen you know, on the corner who has a donut shop where it's $15 for like a whiskey infused donut. Jeez. It's not great, but I mean, it is fun to visit, but I'd throw up all over the place if I lived there all the time. Although I have the tattoos. I could pull it off. You do. You're right. Yeah. And I have a gay flag onesie that I could wear. So I'd fit in just fine. Yeah, easily. I like how you went quiet. You're like, I don't know. I, 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 I stick out like a <laughs> So small plot synopsis. It's Loretta Castorini. Is that you said? Castorini? Castorini, right. Played, yeah. uh, played by Cher. Yeah. A bookkeeper from Brooklyn finds herself in a difficult situation when she falls for the brother of the man she has agreed to marry. Simple plot. I love that they're not trying to flash too much. It's the drama in small moments. They just do this movie so well. Yeah, they do. So um, go ahead. No, but Ronnie, Ronnie is a Ronnie Camareri, right? Yeah, um, that's Dan. That's by, Danny, right? Our, yeah, played by our uh, who? Danny Aya. Oh no, no, Nick Cage. Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. As I say, played by our, our Nicholas Cage here. Yeah. Do you know what the 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 age difference is here? Quickly between Cage and Cher, is it fifteen years? Eighteen years? Eighteen year gap. Nicholas Cage is twenty two freaking years old at this time in nineteen eighty seven. So. But unfair though, Cher has been 35 for 68 years. <laughs> right, right. She doesn't I mean, she looks fantastic all but time. Does like, Nicolas Cage look like he's 22? He also looks like he's 35. So I was going to bring this up. Did he gain more teeth as he got more famous? He's missing teeth in this, right? Okay. Did you read the little trivia on this one? So No. He, Enlighten he had, me, please. Oh, he had a, uh, a tooth or two teeth uh, pulled for a movie prior called Birdie. He's playing a Vietnam War vet. He pulled the teeth out for the movie with no anesthesia. He wanted oh to know what it felt like to go through that pain. Oh my God. That's awesome. <laughs> God, I love him so much so more. Thank you for that fact. Missing, he's still missing his teeth in 1987, two years or two years later. Oh my God. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> so yeah, share is ageless and Nick cage. Nick cage looks a little older. I mean, he's built like a man, you know what I mean? You see him in the bakery. He's just sweating. He's got that kind of long sinewy look. Looks like a boxer. I think it's the hair. Yeah, he's been balding. I, mean, I guarantee he was bald, balding when he was like 12. You know, that widow's that, peak. But also the, the chest hair just puffing out. Oh, yeah. And he's got the tattoo on his back, too. And the wife beater. Just good look for him. And I don't think there's anything sexier in life than some a tortured guy in front of a in a bakery, just in front of a hot oven making delicious bread. Just sweating. Your, yeah. your beater's half drenched. Yeah. I mean, you're just like, okay, this is, this is going to happen. And... <laughs> Cher, Cher and him actually have some serious chemistry. We said that Nick Cage really doesn't have chemistry with people on screen. Him and Cher, I can this, see it. This is one, yeah. I think it's because they're so unique and weird that they just magnetically, they're two magnetic forces, two planets recognizing. It's like, you're Mars, I'm Venus, let's talk. Well, Cher really wanted Nicolas Cage in the movie. Yeah, she threatened were, to walk off, right? About, they, what's that? She threatened to walk off the set if uh, yeah, they yeah. didn't hire Nick Cage. Right, right, right. She wanted him in the movie. Well, she called it. I mean, I mean, I guess, I mean, I can't imagine anyone else really having chemistry with Cher too. And I think that's the point. It's that these, it's these two unique weirdos, you know, in a, in a, in a very romantic movie, the moon is, I mean, it's called Moonstruck, but I mean, saying the moon is just important. I love when the uncle's looking at the moon. It's like, I can just feel the energy of love in the air. The uncle, is that Raymond? Yeah. I love just. That. I love yeah. that. Isn't that cute? He's just acting like a that's eight-year-old. One, that's one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> that's Cosmo's moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's got this fairy tale vibe to it. You know, it definitely, it seems grounded in a Brooklyn that seems real. 
but it's this almost Disney-esque fantasy story that feels like almost like an Aladdin or a Cinderella or a Snow White. Right. Yeah. And plus you got the montage where she colors her hair and, you know, gets her nails done. I just, I mean, I got to love so bad. <laughs> I never thought I'd, I'd love her either. I just, I know I have a bunch of friends who are like hipsters in Brooklyn who are obsessed with Cher, like live for Cher. Uh-huh. And I don't know, it just kind of annoyed me. I'm like, get over it. You know, she's a singer. It doesn't matter that much. But, so I really don't know her from much else. I had to look at her filmography and there's a couple movies, but I don't think I've really ever seen her in any other movie. In, 70, in the 70s, her and uh, Sonny and Cher were like the it couple, you know? Right. And I mean, when someone dies too, tragically, it becomes kind of uh, cemented in everyone's... I mean, you know her husband died, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, skiing accident. As Michael Scott said, I don't want to die like Sonny Bobo. <laughs> you know she's worth $360 million? <sighs> it's insane. Yeah. So let's say you were single and Moonstruck Cher asked you out. Would you say yes? Yes. Yeah? Easily. With the white hair and the curls and the bun and everything too? Not not like dressed up. No, 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 I get it. She's she's gorgeous and then beginning to end. She is. Yeah. And she's that's kind of she is this strong kind of it's almost like she's her mother's daughter, you know, Olympia Dukakis playing Rose, who Mm -hmm. has these strong convictions and belief in herself. It's almost passed down to her you know they're almost the carbon copy of each other i feel like yeah they have a really good mother-daughter relationship too even though they're like 15 years apart <laughs> oh yeah isn't that crazy yeah you can do a share with anything you know what i mean that's how share is <laughs> she, she had a big year 87 was a big year for her what else happened suspect with um gosh was that dennis quaid haven't seen it any good um i haven't seen it either liam neeson and then the witches of eastwick with oh i do know that one the michelle pfeiffer and jack nicholson She's meant to be a witch. She looks like a witch. I bet she was a witch for like 10 years for Halloween at one point. <laughs> or she may be actual witch. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, oh. it's plastic surgery or witchcraft. That's all it, uh, that's all it can possibly be. Because she's 70 something now, right? 74. Good God. And she still looks like she could do this role. Yeah. And I don't know, so, I mean, outside of Cher too, I love that even though we love Cher's character, even though we love L- Loretta, the, the the movie's not entirely about her. It's the whole, it's kind of about the interactions of this entire family and everyone's just as important. Rose's idea of marriage and how she has a relationship with Cosmo, who's unfortunately cheating on her. Mm-hmm. Even the grandfather and his walking of the dogs and, you know, kind of living his little life. And even uh, like, even Ronnie and uh, Ronnie's relationship with uh, Johnny and, you know, Ronnie's relationship uh, with. Well, no, with Johnny and all, you know. His, yeah, uh, and then Johnny's really, it's all these little side plots that tie this movie together. Um, you know, make it make it one whole movie talking about the family. Cosmos yeah, there, Ruth and the the, uh, the 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 younger man um, from the restaurant. Yeah, it feels like a day in the life. You know, what I mean, like you're getting yeah. a real sense of community, a sense of this this family that's all under one one roof, which is kind of unique. That she's what thirty seven years old in the movie and she's still living at home with her parents, but it doesn't seem like <laughs> yeah. It doesn't seem like a big deal. You know, I mean, it seems like she loves them. They love her. No, they, she's happy. She wanted to be in the house. She wants to stay in the house. Yeah. And they they fight, but it's that love to hate, hate to love kind of fight. Oh, I had that written down. Everyone's yelling at each other a lot. Yeah, it's like, ah, come on. It's like that kind of, it's that kind of whiny Seinfeld-esque Woody Allen, New York. Who Seinfeld-esque, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like a little bit more heavy, a little bit more emotional. I don't think I ever cried during Seinfeld. <laughs> He's a bad actor, by the way. Jerry? Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like that show is, you know, a forever show, but he's terrible in that show. 
but he's himself. So whatever. He's a big man child. I can relate. But I just love that you you don't really you don't hate anybody in this movie. You know, I mean, you understand everyone's point of view. The director Norman Jewison, I believe his name is. Yeah. His name? Yeah. Any other movies that you remember him doing? No, I've never heard of this guy before. Exactly. Yeah. No. So it almost feels like a play. Like I feel like I could have watched this on Broadway and cried my eyes out. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and just Rose as the matriarch with the strong conscious, and like you said, I mean, I can't believe she's only 15 years old in the chair. But like when uh, the dad from Frasier, what's his name? God, uh, Perry. You know, the professor who's yep. dating young women is at the Italian restaurant, and he finally hits on her, and she's like, "I know who I am." I'm like, "Yeah, you do, Olivia Dukak, Olympia Dukakis. You go, girl." So it's just the strength of character of everyone. And even at the end, did you find it weird that uh, that Rose forgave Cosmo so quickly? Yeah, that was really... Well, I guess after being married for how long? I mean, 40, 50 years, years something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a quick forgiveness. I guess so. But he's okay with it. He kind of just stands up, slams the desk, gives his little speech, and he's done. I guess it was a different time. You know what I mean? It wasn't... In the 80s? Yeah. Well, I mean... The, they got married in what the fifties, sixties or something like that. And you didn't give up on marriages in the same way. And they showed she was religious. She went to the church, you know, she really truly cared about the relationship and you could tell she truly loved Cosmo. Cause remember when she tells Loretta, it's like, don't marry someone you love because they those are the ones that can drive you crazy. Yep. Yeah. So you clearly Cosmo know. drives her crazy. Oh yeah. God, Cosmo's side piece, by the way. Pfft, no, 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 you don't yeah. like Luna? I don't know. A red-haired <laughs> hussy who's breaking up a wonderful marriage. I don't like that. He likes her? No, 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 not at all. She <laughs> just talks him up. He he just loves the attention that he's getting from Mona, though. That's true. But, I mean, Rose Rose gave him it. Actually, Rose, Rose gives him some crap, too. So Yeah. But, but you're married for 40 years. I mean, come on. You can't, you know, worship the ground someone walks on at that point. <laughs> Although, I think, I think Johnny will uh, worship Loretta 40 years from now. He is just head over heels in love oh easily yeah yeah john, so ronnie did i say ronnie or did i say damn it yeah <laughs> sorry johnny and ronnie god the cameraery kind of throws me off but let's talk let's ronald, talk ronald and jonathan come on okay ronald and jonathan so ronald the one-handed baker plot line <laughs> did not see that coming did you no, it threw, threw me off <laughs> yeah it was almost like a superhero marvel-esque start to his life made me look the other way and i lost my hand <laughs> yeah i was like are you wolverine because he kind of well, looks he kind of looks like wolverine he could have played wolverine like this kind of a little side side note is the wolf the whole wolf wolf quote right oh yeah she she says he'd be like a wolf without a leg or something like that right a wolf without a foot yeah yeah a bride without a head a wolf without a foot so I think the original title of the movie was called The Bride and the Wolf. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, this is I think Moose Park is way better. Yes, much better. Because you don't see it coming. The, the title gives you nothing. You know, you see Cher on the front of the poster, kind of arms out, loving the world, and that big moon behind her. Yep. And it could have been anything. You know, I wasn't, I went into this movie with no expectations. And that's the best way to do it. There's no one else that could play this role, right? Cher? Yeah, Cher's role. Well, I mean, they said they wanted Sally Field originally, which I hate. I don't like that at all. No. I'm not a Sally. I mean, I think we're a little too young to remember, like, hot Sally Field. That's that's and, Bill Simmons' girl, Sally Field. Yeah. So I've never seen Smokey and the Bandit. Have you? No. I just know her as Forrest Gump's mother. So. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Do you remember that? Uh, no, but okay. 
Yeah. She was Forrest Gump's mother. Oh, and also uh, Mrs. Doubtfire's uh, ex-wife. Yes, Mrs. Yeah. Doubtfire's ex-wife. So, yeah. yeah, we were just past, <laughs> just past the point. Just share... I think that shares conviction and also the fact that she's Sally feels short. Sally feels like five, two, five, three. You need someone who can stand up to Nick cage. Like when her and Ronnie are arguing at the kitchen table, drinking whiskey after she cooked him a steak mm-hmm. and you know, when he throws the table, she stands up and they're eye to eye. They feel like equals. I that, feel like, I feel that, like if Nick cage stood next to a five foot three Sally field, I'd be like, well, I mean, he's going to throw her against the wall if he doesn't like what she has to say. That two and a half minutes uh, scene is probably the best part of the movie. From, you think so? Yeah, from them going upstairs. Well, maybe it's like three minutes, three and a half minutes. From them going upstairs to the next morning. Interesting. To, from from the steak to the slap. Now, did you want to see a sex scene? I'm glad they didn't show one. No. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Just, I, I like the imagination. It's just, they're too, I don't know, they're too strange. Like, I can't picture. There's, there's, like, some, there's some rough dialogue from, uh, from Nick Cage there. I kind of like the take me to bed or um, like he's it's almost formal and she goes goes oh all right you know yeah and then i don't know what she says but then he he replies with saying all right all right there will be nothing left <laughs> yeah it's i mean it's almost like they're in a 20s love story or you know romeo and juliet like he's making this hugely important and in, in real life no one would say i'll never see you again you have to go to the opera with me <laughs> i mean that's just a nice little splice and i love that it goes from this kind of rough and tumble you know the basements of of bakeries and her being a bookkeeper to, to the met to the met yeah exactly so i mean just seeing them in tuxedos and you can, i love when she's like where's the met she comes back <laughs> she's like she doesn't know where it even is and i mean i don't know how they paid to get the met rented out it, was it actually i've never been to the met so do you think it actually is the met I think so. I've been once when I was 12, 13. And I mean, they definitely filmed it outside. That's clearer than Matt. Yeah. But there was some magic to it. It just felt like watching Cher cry, watching Loretta cry when she first sees, you know, them kind of them singing in Italian and them holding hands slowly. And I did not see the, that coming that Cosmo, her dad was going to be there. Oh, no, me neither. That, that was a little side twist there. And then at the bar, I think Cosmo and uh, Ronnie just get drinks right next to each other they don't even know it yeah well the nice thing about this movie is they spell out for you that everyone's relationship in the castorini family is strong enough that regardless of what happens they're pretty much all gonna be together and that her relationship with johnny is kind of flimsy to begin with and she doesn't even love him you know she likes him that you're okay with the chaos i think that's all displayed at the very end the very last scene at the uh, kitchen table oh my god i love that i love that scene more than anything <laughs> the grandfather crying. Why are you crying, that, that, I, That's one of my favorite lines. <laughs> Why are you I'm, crying? I'm so confused. I'm confused. <laughs> and the fact that Johnny, after being well, now he dumps her correctly, right? Because he's a mama's boy and he wants to keep his mom alive. Such a shock. Yeah, he is. Oh my God. I mean, he's just uh he's a man child. I mean, they all are, I guess. But the, the whole the whole proposal scene is just embarrassing for him. Oh, yeah, it's a big loss. But it's clearly what she wanted out of him. You know, she saw someone she wasn't going to get stung by. Mm-hmm. And then in comes Ronnie and just rocks her world. Yeah. I love that. Ma, I love him something awful. And she's like, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, the, we haven't even talked about the best quote, though. It's like when she just goes, snap out of it. Oh, she slaps him twice. Yeah. The, the second slap out of it. <laughs> yeah. So the American Film Institute ranked that as the number 696 movie quote in cinema history. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. 
Cher, Cher's throwing, I think I texted you this, Cher's throwing like 110 miles per hour the entire game. I'm not sure if she's entire acting. Movie. Do you know what I mean? This feels like her. I mean, maybe that's just good acting. But yeah, it just I think fit- it's amazing acting. Yeah, she, she just seems like a strong, confident woman who knows who she is in general. You know what I mean? You're worth $360 million. And you, if you go by one name in your life, you've done something. You know what I mean? I mean, think about Prince, uh, LeBron, Tyson, Jordan, Jackson, Cher. Who else is a one-namer? No, I, I got you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, her IMDb, it's Cher. Yep. Do you know her last name? I don't know her last name. I don't know her last name. What is yeah. her name? As, this, Cher can't be her real name, can it? This is this is good podcasting here. <laughs> <laughs> but on, on the flip side, on, on the flip side of Cher, Nick Cage is like throwing knuckleballs. You have no idea where his acting is even coming from. Yeah, his the volume of his voice, it's almost like remember in Austin Powers when he gets unfrozen and he can't control the volume of his voice. <laughs> it's like he'll just start belting out things and screaming at his hand and his his demented monologues, his accent with no accent sometimes. Yeah, there. It's a little bit domestic violency with Cher, right? At times, yeah. He's like, "Get in my house." I'm like, "Is this going somewhere weird?" But it's all out of passion. I think he's trying to mirror the kind of intensity and passion that his character loves in the operas. Yeah, I wasn't entirely sure what he was going for in his performance. Uh, I think it was. He based it on, I know this sounds crazy, but he based it on a 1927 film called Metropolis. There's a certain character in it that he just felt uh, worked really well. Oh, I think I read that. Yeah, like the German film Metropolis. Yeah, he's channeling Rudolf Klein Roge (laughs) in an expressionist film called Metropolis, which is just very Nick Cage of him. Right up my alley. Yeah. (laughs) But it's when he, I think... It works though because he's so intense and so insanely in love that when he turns on the charm, like in the final scene where he once says, I'd love some oatmeal, and he's just kind at the dinner table and just kind of reveling in it all. It's like just, he's part of the family. Yeah. And you just love the sweet, the sweetness in contrast to the sourness of before. It just it's like a warm blanket to end the movie. Like I don't I don't picture Johnny sitting down eating oatmeal. No. I think he's too timid and scared. Although it's kind of funny, they, even though they don't really shine a good light on Johnny, they give him a moment when he's with Rose and he says that men are afraid of death. He it's gives like, her the answer that she's looking for. Yeah, yep. and that's true. Are you afraid of death? No. Really? Yeah, I am. Yeah, of course I am. Oh, I'm terrified. <laughs> yeah. Every day I'm like, Ugh, I'm going to die one day. It sucks. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> well, no, when I was five and I found out that in Japan it's light out when it's dark here and like we lose half the day by sleeping. I, yeah. I couldn't, I didn't sleep for four days straight. <laughs> so yeah, they are right. I mean, that's just, I think that hits at the core that this movie is like a morality play that you kind of learn about yourself while learning about these characters. They all feel, you can feel yourself in part of these characters. Which character do you feel yourself in? Oh, God. I'm not tortured like Ronnie. I'm not definitely not Ronnie or Johnny. Yeah, I mean, before, like five years ago, I I had a little bit of Perry in me. Uh, (laughs) Or dating girls too young and being stupid and immature and being a man boy. Thank God I grew out of that. So I'm so happy about that. Because I don't have to order a big glass of vodka when a woman splashes a cup of water (laughs) in my face in public. And then I do it again like a week later. <laughs> but just like just like Perry. But uh I feel I feel I feel akin to Loretta and just kind of her 
realism, her spirit, but also her willing to change when, you know, when Ronnie finally sweeps her off her feet. Okay. Grudgingly. Yeah. Why? Who do you feel like? Uh, Uncle Raymond. <laughs> so you're just a nine-year-old just kind of floating around? <laughs> you know it. Yeah. <laughs> Telling yeah. stories. <laughs> he seemed like he was a little slow. I was like, is everything okay with him? Did he hit his head when he was a child? It just seemed a little odd. <laughs> he was in love. Yeah. You know what he reminded me of? Actually, we're talking about the Disney thing. The animals that sing around like Cinderella. That's Raymond, you think? Not, no, not Raymond, the uncle. Yeah, Uncle Raymond. Oh, Uncle Raymond, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Raymond, Ronnie, Jesus. I'm... <laughs> Rita Rose. <laughs> These names are hard, all right? Yeah. So this is a, I, I, I think this is a classic, iconic New York film. I love seeing uh, the Twin Towers in any movie. Do um, you? I find that weird. No, I, I, I really enjoy it because I never got to see them in person in real mm-hmm. life. Uh, so seeing them in the movie is just just something to hang on to. So something like this, Trading Places, Lost in, Home Alone, Lost in New York. Yeah, just seeing those cobblestone brook, brick roads. And like the house they live in has got to be like a million dollar house even at that time. It's like a four-story mansion. Yeah, but I guess, I mean, Brooklyn was pretty trashy even in the mid-90s. So. But then, then again, Rose just calls it her house. Yeah, and, she, uh, and she said, she said uh, Cosmo, Cosmo's as rich as uh, Roosevelt. <laughs> he's just cheap. He's cheap. <laughs> I love that, just ball busting. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, it's just a love. It's a lovely family. And I, how did the old guy? How did the grandpa handle five dogs at a time? I was very impressed by that. I don't even know. Yeah, that, that, that's impressive. Um, just, I think his dogs may know Italian. <laughs> it's possible they were Italian dogs. <laughs> but I just love the imagery too. Like even when she comes in for that last meal and she has love bites on her neck and her mom's just like, ah, oh, you got love bites on your neck. Snap out of it. It's just fantastic. Yeah, I love the transformation from pre Loretta to post Loretta, you know? Yeah. And they do a little, mo- like, it's not a corny montage, but her getting her, you know, nails done or hair done, buying some clothes and just kind of, I think you could tell that's the first time she's dressed up in forever. Would this be considered a Christmas movie? You think? Is it Did you around Christmas? It? It, it looked like it. I think in the park there are, it looked like there was a Christmas tree. It looked like there was garland in one of the shops. You got to mention it Christmas looked, at least once. It I think. looked cold. It did. There was snow. But you got. I think you have to mention Christmas at least once, you know? Yeah, no Christmas music, maybe. Yeah, nothing like that. And they were Italian, too, so they definitely celebrated Christmas heavily. <laughs> and there was no Christmas tree inside, was there? I No, 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 not in the house. But I just meant outside in the city. Yeah. But maybe, I don't know. Does New York City have a Christmas tree year-round? No, Rockefeller Center has the Christmas tree. I think they start in November or something like that. So, but just a wonderful movie. I was surprised, just taken aback. So, I'm so happy that Nick Cage made this movie. Well, his agent forced him to do it. Shut up, really? Yeah, no, yeah. Nick Cage was not about it. His agent basically forced him to take this role. He wanted to do some more like punk films, and this was not what he wanted. And it turned out amazing for him. Okay. I just watched a punk movie. You ever seen Repo Man? Yes. It was uh, awesome. Law, oh, my God. Right? What? Jude Law. Yeah. No, no, no. This is 1986's Repo Man, not Repo Men. Oh, never mind. We're on different pages here. Emilio Estevez is a Repo Man in a city where there's an alien car that's melting people while he's also a cyberpunk. It's bizarre. Emilio. Emilio! <laughs> 
So speaking of mid early eighties punk Nick Cage, how do you feel? So I want to talk about our next movie possibly. Do you have any ideas? So we've been doing some class A like ten out of ten Nick Cage movies. Oh, I you want to go garbage dump diving? Yeah. Now? Like, do we get some of those out of the way, or do oh. we just keep on going until we run out? Hmm. Well, I was thinking Valley Girl, which Never is seen he it, so. Yeah, I, actually, Raised in Arizona, which he did just prior to this, is on my list. I love that movie. It's weird. It's I mean, it's the Coen Brothers, so right, exactly. So I've already seen it. Let's do Valley Girl. Valley Girl. All right. Yeah, or that or Bad Lieutenant. No, let's do Valley Girl. I want to. <laughs> you said Bad Lieutenant last week. <laughs> yeah, but we'll get there. I'm gonna save that for dessert. So, any more thoughts on uh, Moonstruck? Uh, I, I think the proposal has a little. Not not the proposal um, where he borrows like, Johnny's ring, or no, oh, you gosh, no, no, in the beginning with the pinky ring and he gets on his knees. Oh, it's terrible. Well, that, that's still, <laughs> so it's, I, it's like the complete opposite because I, I proposed also in New York, but definitely not in like a little Italian restaurant. But I proposed in New York and then we went to an Italian restaurant afterwards, so just well, yeah. a little, little bit of feels to it. <laughs> so you had you had the, a better ring than that, though. You didn't, use yeah, I did not have ring. a man's pinky ring. <laughs> but see, this is what makes this movie unique that I love about it that from the get go, you're not in love with the proposal. Usually they have to bring the guy down over the entire movie. Mm-hmm. You don't like Johnny right away. I mean, you don't hate him. I don't think I like Johnny at all. Yeah, but I love that. Just give me like the terrible boyfriend, give me the sack from Wedding Crasher kind of guy. Oh, God. He's such a mama's boy. Little, like I said, a schmuck. <laughs> yeah. Although so, you do want, you do wonder why Ronnie and his mom don't get along. They never bring it up. Yeah, he just says that she doesn't like me. That's now, it. do you think Ronnie was a little too harsh on Johnny? Ronnie, yeah. Well, about the slicer in his hand. Who's? It was Ronnie's fault. I mean, he cut his. Yeah, own yeah. it wasn't. He he kind of just projected it on Johnny. Yeah, exactly. So bad blood. Yeah. But you wonder, you know, what if what if Loretta like drops a plate and he freaks out or something, cuts his <laughs> foot off and blames her. Who won the movie? Who won the movie? Cher, Nick. Cher, Cher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. She's I mean, Ronnie's fantastic and fun and is one volume and you know one kind of tone. Loretta has all the pitches. You know, I mean, she's. She's switching it up. She's getting sweet. She's getting emotional. She's changing during the movie. Nick Cage is a laser beam of love and focus and caring towards Loretta. Loretta yeah. changes during the movie. I, I was surprised that Nicolas Cage, he's not even on the poster. He's not first build. Yeah. It's, it's all about Cher. Well, was he a big deal in 87 or no? No, not yet. Yeah. Also, Olympia Dukakis as Rose is fantastic. From, you know, from your home state. She's from Lowell, Massachusetts. Oh, represent. Yep. Yeah, well, your home state now, too. Well, my, my now new state, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you rarely get an older female actress who gets to kind of run the gamut of emotions and deal with a relationship this, and personal problems. This was her best best film. She won, I think she was nominated for three or four and then won a couple of awards for this for this movie. Well, good, she uh, deserved Academy it. Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress, um, a couple of nominations for others. Yeah, this movie deserves all the accolades. And Roger Ebert gushed about it it's one of his best movies one of his favorite movies four four stars but i couldn't read the review were you able to open it yeah it's under you got to search it says under his great movies okay which are like his top 100 favorite movies and this is one of them nice and just the music too you know the dean martin and also mixed in with the opera all the intro yeah yeah it's just wonderful so i i i kind of gave it away at the beginning but this this kind of paved the way for rom-coms yeah you know right 
in a kind of it's, phantasmal it's, kind of way. It's, it's more a, it's a weird. It's a weird movie, but in a good way. Um, and I think more rom com should be this weird. They yeah. should all be like How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. Yeah, or, I think the standard eight. structure of the rom com started in '89 with When Harry Met Sally. Okay. Which is, have you seen? Yeah, yeah, Billy. Yep. Yeah, just two people circling each other for 10 years, being friends, kind of the Woody Allen walk and talk in New York kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. This is more peculiar. I think it's its own strand almost. You know, I wish there was more movies like this. I can't think of other ones. Can you think of rom-coms that are just kind of a little bit twisted and a little well, bit strange? That's, that's what I was saying. More of them should be this weird, peculiar, like you said. Yeah, I think it's hard to get made when you have to, you say you're going to have a 22-year-old Nick Cage with one hand as a baker and a 38-year-old Cher whose husband died and she so, lives at home. <laughs> in, it, well, in 2020, who could play these two now if, if they're going to do a remake? Uh, God. I know. Could, could you de-age Meryl Streep? Ooh, as, as Cher? Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, she has a daughter. Grace Gummer is like 35, 36, who kind of looks similar and is a really great actress. I'd say Grace Gummer. And Nick Cage kind of, oh, I got it. I already know who Nick Cage would be. It'd be Miles Teller. I was going to say Nick Cage again. But. <laughs> <laughs> he takes the paycheck. Moonstruck too. This time it's personal. <laughs> well, actually, you know, you could do a full circle. Wouldn't it be great if he was either the, he was Cosmo or the grandfather? Oh yeah. Yeah. Co- I like him as Cosmo. If they did, if Sharon, Sharon, Nick Cage brought it back. Yeah. Their kids or something. Oh my God. It'd be fantastic. Yes. So Moonstruck too. We're going to pitch it to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> okay so we're gonna do valley girl next week awesome i'm psyched valley girl who's in valley girl valley girl all i know is he's a punk in la and there's a girl like a rich girl who likes him but is a little embarrassed by him i mean if you see the poster it's this girl dressed in kind of like barbie pinks and nick cage is shirtless in a vest with a tie i'll take it yeah i don't even have to see it i can just picture it (laughs) yeah the girl is called her name is deborah foreman i have no idea who that is all right yeah so are we sticking with cage match mondays yeah cage match mondays till mondays for at least another year and a half (laughs) is that all we got uh well i mean if he he keeps on making movies we at least have something to do that's true and then we got 106 titles to go through so we got time we're good (laughs) so thus ends our cage match monday with moonstruck reigning supreme valley girl next week let's do it Woo! thanks andrew all right thanks max see ya later